I think when that happened, I finally got some street cred. I mean, people were making fun of graduana.com. And then I sent them an article, Vangst raises $2.5 million from Tier 1 VC in New York. I mean, people started to not, like, laugh at me as much. This is the Proco 360 podcast for people who love Colorado and love hearing from Colorado's most inventive and successful entrepreneurs. I'm Dave Tabor, and in this episode, I'm joined in studio by Carson Humiston, founder and CEO of Bankst, a jobs platform connecting cannabis workers with cannabis jobs. There's a lot I want to unpack in this conversation, including why there needs to be a jobs platform dedicated to cannabis workers, how Bankst competes against platforms like Indeed, and how Bankst managed to get a contract with the state of Colorado. Carson and I met at a recent Denver Angels gathering, and I was quickly intrigued. By the way, this is the first Proco 360 episode to be created since Proco 360 and Denver Angels decided to collaborate, so you'll be hearing more guests that are being funded by Denver Angels members. Okay, Carson, glad you're with me on Proco 360. Dave, I'm so happy to be here and glad we met the other, the other evening. Yeah, and you know, I gave a quick overview of Vangst. I bet you can give a better one. I'd love to. And I, for people listening, I walked up to Dave after his presentation and said, can I come on to this podcast? Huh. And and I, Dave was maybe a little skeptical at first. I'm I gonna, was skeptical, yeah. He, he was skeptical of me, so I'm going to see if I can make but you less skeptical then, of me. Yes, but then I learned that you'd raised $30 million, that you've had how many jobs posted? We've filled 150,000 a- cannabis gigs. Yeah, so that made me less skeptical. So give us a better overview. Great. Well, like I said, I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy that we're building this business in Colorado. Our business is Vangst and we're a hiring platform solely dedicated to the cannabis industry. And to take you back to when we started this business, I've always been an entrepreneur. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I went to a school called St. Lawrence in upstate New York and I ran a student travel company. And as I was graduating, I decided I didn't want to be a party planner for the rest of my life. But I really had no skills and I didn't have a great business idea. So I emailed the people that had gone on my trips or wanted to go on my trips. And I asked them, what industries are you interested in getting jobs in? Huh. And people wrote back saying that they wanted to get jobs in the cannabis industry. Were they serious or were they just... I think they were kidding, which yeah. is the funny yeah, exactly. thing about it. Right, I, right. I literally think they were kidding. But it intrigued me. And at the time, cannabis was only legal for adult use in Colorado, Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. And I took a trip out here because there was a cannabis trade show. And... I went around to all the different booths to learn about the different types of businesses that existed in the space. And there was cultivation companies where you grow the cannabis, extraction and manufacturing companies where you're taking the oil out of the cannabis and creating all all kinds of products. And there was retail companies. And then there was a bunch of picks and shovels businesses. And I asked each person, hey, what kind of employees do you hire and how do you go about finding them? And I'm not joking you, Dave. Every single person told me hiring talent was their number one pain point. And I asked them, well, why is it so hard? First off, every state, you know, including Colorado, has different credentials that you need to have in order to work in cannabis. So in Colorado, you have to go to the Marijuana Enforcement Division and get a badge called an MED badge. So it's not like you can just, um, you know, put a sign on your door and tomorrow somebody can come and work. At this time that we started this business, because cannabis was so new, even traditional job boards wouldn't let companies post their jobs. Yeah, but now they do. Now they do. So we'll get into that yeah, in a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, we will. Um, but at this time, again, this is when we first started, there, and there was certainly no recruiting agency. There was certainly no like cannabis-specific job board. So I really saw a blank sheet of paper to build a business to connect all these people that wanted jobs with these people who couldn't hire. And so the original name of the business was Graduana. 
I drove from graduation to Colorado (laughs) to start Graduana. People looked at me like I had 10 heads. And I went business to business saying, I will find you employees for $500. And for one year, I literally just went business to business, find you an employee, get $500. And word spread. This crazy person moved here and will find you a worker for $500. So I started getting wait list of customers. Wow. And eventually realized, okay... There's a better, more lucrative way to do this than placing people for $500, but... Well, how were you just going out and finding them? Or were you posting ads oh, on, on I, a website? I was. I had built my own website. I was posting ads on my own website. I was going to colleges, getting them to post on their job board. I was posting uh, in disguise of being a cannabis company on other job platforms. Mm. I was um, going to local career fairs and really kind of... Um, I threw, a, I threw a cannabis career fair and had people coming there. So like building up a pretty big database of, of workers. And then over, you know, then, you know, fast forward, I know you were curious about Vangst. At some point, I had a couple employees working for me. We had increased our prices. And the name Graduana was just becoming a joke. First off, half the people that work in this industry don't even have degrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we rebranded to Vangst, which means catch in Dutch. Um, honestly, I wish I had a better story that went to it. I went to a cannabis branding agency called Cannabrand. And they said to me for five grand, which was about all I had at the time, we will give you a new name, a new logo, and some marketing materials. And I said, okay. And I was like, you know, I like the idea of catch, catching talent. I think they just looked up, you know, catching other languages. And they said, vangst. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I like it. If you get placed, you're a vangster. Damn, it feels good to be a vangster. Original vangsters. Let's freaking go. We're vangst. (laughs) That's great. Oh. I had to ask you this because when you were out there looking for cannabis workers, I mean, I, I guess I have a sense that cannabis workers are different from mainstream workers. And by the way, cannabis is just a polite way to say marijuana, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. In your industry? Yeah, marijuana, so, cannabis. Yeah. So are they different? I mean, that's my perception. And I've been in dispensaries. Employees don't look like the employees I see at a lot of other places. So how different are they? I think they're you know, look, I think there, there's a very big level of passion in this industry. I mean, we have a podcast called the Proud to Work in Cannabis podcast. I don't think there's a Proud to Work in Oil and Gas podcast. And so people are- it probably is. Ma- but, maybe yeah. there yeah. is. I just, yeah, I haven't found it. But th- they're very proud to work in this industry and passionate about widespread legalization. There's a lot of social issues that come with cannabis. A lot of people are really passionate about undoing the wrongs that were done by the war on drugs. There's still 40,000 people incarcerated. Some people might be passionate because they used it medically or they have a family member that have used it medically. So I would say that there's a very big piece of passion that goes into it. But in terms of the, you know, specific, well, let me, uh, ahead, okay, just... hold on. The, the passion piece. Sure. To me, it, it like diverges in two paths. One is sort of social inequity yep. or injustice yep. or belief that cannabis is a good and healthy thing. And the other is a lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? So are they different? They seem like they are. I think that both, yeah, I think that there's definitely two sets of people. And also there's people that work in the industry that just want to work in retail or want to work in cultivation or want to work in manufacturing. Or at this point, most of these cannabis companies, I know you said that one time you did an event at Native Roots, they're a large customer of ours. You know, we placed their CHRO, right? And so when mm. you get to an, a, a business of that scale, you have a sales team, you have a marketing team, you have an HR team, you have a finance team. And so there's a lot of very traditional jobs where you're taking your skills from another industry and learning cannabis. Now in finance, there's nuances. There's a tax called 280E. And of course, any 
any industry that you go into, there's things you need to learn. Um, but in the beginning, there was lit- there was no people with cannabis experience. So we were pulling from any industry. And in that first year when I we yeah. were called Graduana, because, again, we had no competitors, which was a really big advantage back in the day, it, you know, I would get these high-level searches and I would call people and say, I'm Carson from Graduana. I'm looking for an HR director at Native Roots. And people would hang up the phone on me. They're like, <laughs> Graduana seems like a scam and I'm not going to become HR for cannabis. Yeah. Obviously, over yeah. the course of yeah. time, that's yeah. changed. But it was hard to find people in the beginning. Yeah. So of all of the jobs you fill, how many of them, if you could, maybe you don't have to guess, maybe you know, how many are filled by people who definitely want to be in the industry versus people who want to be an HR director or yep. a marketing person or whatever? I would say in the beginning of like the early days on the higher level side, it was probably a 50-50 split. 50% really? didn't know that they wanted to be in cannabis. So huh. give it that, that, That's surprising. I would have guessed 90. That wanted to be in cannabis. Yeah. We had to do so much convincing back in the day. Now, I would say it is closer to probably that 90% people mm. that actively come to Vanks.com. I want to get a job in cannabis. Help me get the credentials. Help me get the training and help me match into a job. But like the, the Native Roots example I gave, Christine, the person that we placed, she had cannabis had never been on her radar. And anyway, mm. since that time, she's she's worked at Native Roots. She's now the COO of another company. Like, you know, mm. she's, she's yeah. really into cannabis now, but she didn't even know about it. So the people who didn't know about it, didn't care about it, or certainly didn't like it, perhaps, who found their way into the into the industry, do they become converts? Do they become evangelists for the industry? Absolutely. I mean, so many people, Christine, I'm just going to stick on this one example because it was just the one case study, but yeah. there are so many people that you could talk to that say they had no idea about this industry and it's been one of the best decisions they've made coming in. I mean, First, because of financial, because there's a ton I, of money? Or? I would say a couple reasons. One, because the industry was so new and grow, in the, growing so quickly, career advancement. Opportunities, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the opportunity to grow from within, I'll, I'll give you some examples of us placing trimmers into jobs. They're three or four, you know, making minimum wage. Three or four years later, running the grow facility. Then a new state comes online and they get asked oh. to relocate because, hey, in Massachusetts, nobody knows how to set up a grow. And this guy's been doing it in Colorado for five years. So a person that went from making, true story, $15 an hour to 150 grand a year, hmm. changed his life, changed his family's life, brought a whole new, you know, high, then he went on to hire a bunch of people in Massachusetts. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. Wow. Almost like a gold rush for talent in the industry. So when we started Vanks, there was less than 50,000 people employed in the space full time. Every year, Vanks does the Vanks jobs report where we, because the, you know, like in every other industry, there's like a national yeah, yeah. group uh-huh. by the government that counts how many jobs. And you're the official counter for your industry. We're the official counter. We partner up with uh, Bo Whitney from Whitney Economics. And anyway, now there's 400,000 people employed full time. Wow. And our new jobs report's about to come out in April talking about what happened um, this year. And the cannabis industry has hit a little bit of a rough patch, which you know, we, could, we could talk about if you're interested. But yeah. I, mm. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. You're listening to ProCo 360, named best Colorado business podcast the last three years. I'm your host, Dave Tabor. This is the podcast for people who love Colorado and the stories of Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs. My guest is Carson Humiston, founder and CEO of Vangst. Thanks to our sponsors, Kinsley Meetings. Hey, Kinsley Meetings is Proco 360's longest running sponsor. The business is growing based on a great reputation for planning and conducting meetings with lots of moving parts. Maybe they should help Thanks. I'll connect you guys. Please. 
Also, via technologies, thanks for hosting Proco 360 and all the great help your team gives me around managing the website, Colorado Business Magazine. Our partnership is one of building our audiences together. And as you heard earlier, we're starting to collaborate with Denver Angels. Go to Proco360.com and check out these great partners. All right. Back to Vangst. Uh, back to Carson. Other websites. We mentioned this earlier, but... You know, maybe they didn't feature cannabis before, but now they are. I mean, uh, I checked Indeed, and there are cannabis jobs. How are you competing with them now? Sure. So one of our main products is called Vanks Gigs, and this is for seasonal labor. And so when you post a gig on Vanks Gigs, Vanks sends you Vanksed, badged, trained, ready-to-go workers. Hmm. These are Vanksed W-2 employees. We send them to you on an as-needed basis. They clock in through our platform. They clock out through our platform. They get paid through our our platform. Hmm. So Indeed's not going to send you Indeed employees, no. right? So that's one. Vanks Gigs is a, is our is our biggest product and a very big differentiator. Wow. A lot of people do gig to hire, and so you'll hire somebody through Vanks Gigs. They'll be a Vanks employee for a month, and the people that they like the best, they'll convert. So yeah. think about temp, temp sure, to hire. Temp agencies only do that a, all the time. Only a, a much more automated version of that. And because they have to be licensed, they have to. Why is marijuana seasonal? Cultivation. Right, they're, you're growing a crop. I've, I've been to grow houses. They they seem like they're just going perpetually. But they have they still have harvest, and so there's still times where they oh, need. There are seasons. You know, I didn't still, realize there's seasonality. Need more people. And it. just also in manufacturing in general, like you have, if you just think about the manufacturing industry, there's always variable labor needs that you need, which is why temp agencies exist. And so we've we've really automated that process and, and helped our customers. You know, another another thing I would say for for people just looking for people through banks, we we partner up with these state agencies, and so many. We help candidates get to the state agencies and go and get their credentials. And so you can go on to Vanks.com as a customer, and you can search Bud Tender, Med Badge, Colorado, and a list of trainings that they may have. And we serve you up those employees. So it's a very niche labor marketplace versus mm-hmm. if you go on to Indeed, you're, you will get a high volume of applicants. But you're talking about it from the, the employer's right, perspective. Right, the employer's perspective. Yeah, from the employee's perspective. And if you're an employee yeah. and you go to vanks.com, you can say, I'd like to get a bud tending job at Native Roots. And Native Roots can say, awesome. In order to do this, you need to have a med badge, step one through the state. Vanks will direct you to do that. Number two, here's three trainings that we require our bud tenders to be trained in before working here. Yeah. So then they can go through right on the Vanks platform. We host these trainings. They take the trainings. When they pass the trainings, they get a special badge on their Vanks profile. So here's a super cool case study. Brands, meaning like a Wana Brands, which mm-hmm. is a you know a, a manufacturer, an, an yeah. edible, yeah, sells them in Native Roots, and so Native Roots and Wana want their bud tenders to be educated on this product. Right on Vanks.com, you can take the Wana Brands training, how to sell Wana Brands, how to speak to customers about it. As soon as me as a bud tender takes that training, I get the badge on my Vanks profile. Now I'm completely standing out from the crowd. I've got my Colorado Mad Badge. I've taken the training on how to best sell the products in their shelf. And for the customer, it saves them time on having to filter through candidates that don't have the badge, don't mm. have the trainings, and yeah. saves them on the, well, on the ground pretty, training. That's a pretty significant barrier to entry to those other players. And they may not even, but they're doing it. So why, why did I find jobs on Indeed when anybody serious right. about the industry would go I through think banks? People through their applicant tracking systems that you can post to all job boards, and mm. so you might want to get a lot of volume, right? Sure. Like even banks gigs for some of our gigs, if they're hard to fill, and I and we need nine hundred workers, 
put them through, then send them an email. Hey, people that are serious through this, go and get your badge. So you can use it as a top of the funnel sourcing advertising tool huh. just to get a lot of people. I mean, we'll so syndicate. You use those. Yeah, we'll syndicate. Like I would consider them. A, I would consider them a sourcing tool to bring candidates into our marketplace. Right. What do you when you say syndicate? I've so, never heard of that term in this space. Yeah. So so from your bank's profile, you can push your jobs to lots of different advertising sites. So maybe fifty different job boards. Then those candidates land on your bank's profile, and then they have to make a profile and sign up and go through all these different filters. But it's a great advertising channel, hmm. right? So yeah. I'm Native Roots. I post my job on banks, and I pay a little extra to syndicate it out. Then all those candidates come back. They land back on my banks.com slash Native Roots profile. And in order to apply to my job, they will have to go through the steps wow. of- right? So Indeed and Monster- They're, they're more all... like a partner than a- Really? They're more I... like an advertising channel because they have- Indeed, I mean, think about it. When you watch the Super Bowl, they have commercials. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't see yours. Maybe this I year. I hope I have a Super Bowl <laughs> commercial soon. But they, you know, on volume, we're not going to compete with them. So let's find candidates through them to get them to banks. Yeah. I think we're actually a big customer. I think we actually have a decent sized ad spend with them. What's that mean? Like when you say think, decent size. Like I think that Vanks spends a decent amount. Of, like, I know. When I'm asking you to be, can you oh, share how much that is, roughly? Hundred grand a per, year. I, well, a that's year? a lot of money. Yeah, that's cool. In advertising. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I just I have my to drive jobs to drive candidates to, you, candidates to us to, to then make profiles. Wow, that's and, cool. And I have um our board meeting tomorrow, and one of the sections is advertising. Indeed, it's always listed. As a you know, place where we advertise yeah. to get wow. candidates. Okay, I didn't realize that. Now, you have raised a ton of money uh, coming out of college, starting this thing for five hundred dollars an employee, and now you've raised how much? Thirty million. Yep. Through, yeah. three, through three rounds. Yep. Wow. So, how did that story start, and how did it? Yeah. Like, what was your first round, and when was that? Our first round was our seed round, and it was in two thousand eighteen, and it was a two and a half million dollar round. Almost friends and family kind of thing, or was it beyond that? Angels? No, no angels, no friends and families, two institutional funds. Lara Hippo, which is a tier one fund out of New York City, and Casa Verde, which is Snoop Dogg's fund. Yeah. So Lara Hippo invested $1,550, and Casa Verde invested the other $950,000. And they saw what you were doing. They liked your industry. How did that connection happen? How the connection happened was I have a friend named Ryan Smith, and he started a business called LeafLink, which was a B2B marketplace. So he would connect the dispensaries to the brands. So he would connect the native roots to the WANA brands, and they could place their orders through this platform. And he's in New York, and he knew all about venture capital. I did not. And we met each other, and he had raised a seed round from this firm, Lear Mm, Hippo. Yeah. And at this point in time, again, I, I've been at this now for two years. I had over a million dollars in revenue. I had launched a V1 of our job board. I had significant revenue and had been completely bootstrapped. And my pitch was that what I'm doing is working. I really want to build out tech because I can make more matches in this industry. This industry is exploding and I want to be the category leader in cannabis hiring. This is what I've done with no dollars. And this is what I yeah. can do with some fuel on the fire. And I got term sheets. Yeah. Did you have, were there competitors at the time? There were small competitors and there still are, right? There's um, there's a company called Flower Hire. There's a company called United Green. There was always some small players um, trying to do what but we were place, doing. But the place, the thing to do is be the dominant, yes. fastest, go-go. And, 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 and Ryan yeah. said to me, if you want to be that, you need to go raise venture capital. And like mm. I said, I was like, what's venture capital? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that connection helped. Certainly, they had some vision for the industry. That had to help, right? 
Lear Hippo is not cannabis. The only deal that they had done was LeafLink. They've actually invested in about 400 companies. Mm. They're industry agnostic. They're a seed stage fund out of New York. They've invested in some iconic companies like Warby Parker, Allbirds, Casper, Glossier, Mirror, to name a few. And to be honest with you, when I got the introduction to the partner there, Andrea Hippo, I did not think that the call went very well. Like the call ended and she said she would get back to me the next week. And then she said, as a next step, Eric would like to have a call with you. And as a next mm-hmm. step, Ben would like to have a call with you. And then um, it just felt like a great partnership. Yeah. And they really saw my vision and were excited about the industry and excited about the space. And they had built a lot of tech companies, which I hadn't done. You know, the, And this really is tech. Oh, for sure. The, yeah. And the big thing that was going to have to happen after this was we were going to build Vanks Gigs which was going to require us recruiting a technical team, recruiting a product team, recruiting a sales team that could sell technology. I'd never done that. And so why I picked them instead of for this first round, a more cannabis focused group was because I needed a, a, a venture capital firm that had built tech companies and scaled tech companies. And so, you know, that seed round was about building, launching Vanks gigs. And we did that in 2018. We built, launched Vanks gigs and got Vanks gigs, the brand new product to a million dollars in revenue, which then led us to our, Series A, which was a $10 million round. So the seed funding, what was your company valued at, at that seed round? It was a, and, and at this point I'm like, you know, I'm an open book. I'll just say yeah, this Yeah, because you had record. a million in revenue. Yeah, yeah our, our, it was a 12 and a half pre-money valuation. So 15 post. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty impressive though. For I think, a kid right out of college, two years. Right? I mean- I feel like I am always comparing myself to other people that are 15 steps ahead of me. So I don't think I've ever been like, that was impressive. I was like, why didn't I do it year one out of college? But appreciate the compliment. Yeah. But what did your family and friends say? I'm like, like, what is she doing? She got, she got to college in Buffalo and now she's got a cannabis business. They thought everyone laughed at me. I mean, people not, 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 not when I think when that happened, I finally got some street cred. I mean, people were making fun of graduana.com. And then I sent them an article Vangst raises $2.5 million from tier one VC in New York. I mean, people started to not like laugh at me as much. <laughs> and they're not laughing at all probably now, right? I, I, who knows? Maybe I know. they still So are. now you got, you've, you've did two more rounds. So Six. what's the valuation of Vangst at the last round? The last round was a $19 million Series B and it was a um, $90 million pre-money valuation. Doesn't that blow your mind? The thing about these valuations are, honestly, what what um, it's real when somebody makes an offer to buy the company or the company goes public. All these valuations, I mean, people get super impressed by people's valuations, but look at how many people in the hype cycle oh. raised rounds at a billion dollars and now they're out of business. So yep, to yep. me, I don't really judge the value of our company by our valuation, even though it's easy to get sucked up in that yeah, yeah. or caught up in that. Yeah. Of course, I, I was super proud each time we did the rounds and, and more proud of the, the than the dollars and cents of the partners we've been able to bring to the table. Um, you know, a, a real story that I'll share. And I know you said it's all about being real on this podcast. I'm in this group called YPO and we um, we do a forum and it's completely confidential. However, you're allowed to share things that you shared. And one of the things I said in my forum was I said, I feel really lucky to have the investors and partners that I have. And it really motivates me to not want to let people down. People took a huge bet on me, took a huge bet on Vangst. And the industry is definitely gone through some t- hard times. We have gone through hard times. It's not has not been all rainbows and sunshine. And 
every single day I wake up knowing these people took a bet on me, I better get them a good return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with people who have, after raising money, um, been offered other gigs outside. And one in particular comes to mind who said, I just can't take this other job. I owe it to my shareholders. I owe it to the people who trusted me to make investments. Another, uh, um, yeah, 100% agree. Like when I hear of people leaving and taking another job, it's like, take another job. This is your company. Like yeah, yeah. take another job. Are you kidding me? Where, where am I going to go? Who, who the heck's going to hire me? Like put on my resume, graduana. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, um, and I lost my train of thought there, but yeah, that, that would be crazy. Yeah. So next, I want to shift gears a little bit because somehow what's happened over the last few years has gone from a sort of a renegade industry with lots of skeptics and almost a resentful audience out there other than the fans, the, those who are evangelizing. And now you've got a contract with the state of Colorado. Like, how, that was does, cool. how does that work? Yeah. Tell, first of all, what is it in sure. short? And then, yeah, how does that work? Yes, this is something I'm so happy you asked me about. And so there's equity license holders. These are people who are negatively impacted by the war on drugs who have now been issued a cannabis license. So they have to, they're, they're opening a business and they don't have any training at all. And so we partnered with the state of Colorado to create 50 courses, everything from cultivation to finance to cannabis HR, all of these courses. And we we went into grow we went into grow facilities and we actually got industry experts. So rather than just having like a an actor like talk on a yeah, script, yeah. we got the experts. And you know how they were doing this before this contract was I think they were doing it like in person. And so we said we are this they have this great platform built out. We'll build the content, we'll host it on banks.com and we'll give free access to anyone in your Anyone that the state of Colorado says. So right now we're focused on the equity license holders. However, I have a vision to expand it beyond that. I would like to have a training partnership with the state of Colorado where anybody that wants to get information and training on jobs in cannabis can can take these courses that um, we've developed. These were very focused on the business owners, but I'm hoping that there's an opportunity to create more extensive courses for the yeah, actual yeah. industry employees. And while you you want you're you're not going to make money on the courses, it puts you in a position of being the industry thought leader, the dominant player in the industry, right? And, and there's isn't more that... state... Co- and so listen, th- th- there, there's... Absolutely. And like this is... Okay, now you just want a li- business license. You're going to get your training through Vangst. That builds... That opens the door in the relationship oh, yeah. with us. Okay, now you need employees. Do you have a profile on Vangst.com? We also gave all of the people in in, in, in their community free Vangst.com profiles so they can have a profile. They can post their jobs for free. So we're doing a oh, lot that's there. that's super cool. And, yeah. And, and, and but, but, but now there's more states that are following mm-hmm. the blueprint of, of Colorado. Are. So... I just came back from New York. I had a meeting with the OCM and I explained to the OCM, check out, check out what we did in What's Colorado. What's the OCM? Um, Office of Cannabis Management got it. All in, right. in, in so New York. Yeah. I've got a couple more questions. First, I just want to remind listeners, this is Proco 360. I'm Dave Tabor. This is the podcast for people who love Colorado and the stories of Colorado businesses and entrepreneurs. I'm speaking with Carson Humiston, founder and CEO of Vanks. Make sure you go to Proco360.com to subscribe to the newsletter, read my blog, link to sponsors, and catch the books I'm listening to on Audible. So um, yeah, I love podcasts, but I also like Audible. Love Audible. Because it's... It just, the content seems to sink in deeper uh, when you have a full train of thought. Although, and I'm getting off the track here, but haven't you found some books that should have been podcasts? Like I think so. Like one chapter, you know, I got it. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, we'll share books a little later. I Unless love Unless you've got one. Do you have one that you want to talk about that you love? Well, I have a lot of books that I love. I'm, I always kind of, this thing happens to me where I think about the book that I most recently read. Yeah, yeah, And course. I just read Ride of a Lifetime by Bob Iger, the Disney World Disney CEO. Disney guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he wrote it when he, um, when he was like not the CEO and now he's back. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, just... Ride of a Lifetime, that's cool. And I can see where the name comes from. I, and I read uh, Creativity, Inc. by the guy who started Pixar. Pixar. I love yeah. Creativity, That was Inc. a great one, too. That was a great one on All culture. Right. Yes, I love we'll, that one. We'll talk some more. But now, you're also involved in advocacy. Um, talk just a bit about that before we wrap up. Yeah, so what, one way is on the on the on the training front, right? Advocating to help people who are negatively impacted by the war on drugs. Meaning that they'd been maybe incarcerated for marijuana possession or something like that. Exactly. Or someone in their family was, Um, you know, but also, you know, so so on that front, we've done a lot for people who are re-entering so that they were in prison and now they're coming back out. We partner with Last Prisoner Project as well as Mission Green to help those folks get back on their feet. I mean, some people that went to prison, when they went to prison, there wasn't LinkedIn. Like they don't mm. even know like what a LinkedIn profile yeah. is. No, which, I mean, imagine just being away for a decade because you smoked a joint and then coming back out and trying to find a job. You don't know about modern day tools. I, I spoke to a woman the other day that told me when I went to prison, she went to prison for cannabis, by the way, I had a Blackberry. Like I'm trying to navigate iPhone and apps. <laughs> oh gosh. And, and um, you know, so, so, so I'm really proud of the work we're doing there. On We're part of, we're members of an organization called the National Cannabis Roundtable. And this is like um, really working on like the legislative front, right? Because there's a lot that we need to do. We need to reschedule cannabis. It's a schedule one drug right now, meaning it's the same yeah. as heroin. But you know, the, it's all done at federal, it should be done at a federal level, which it isn't. It's so nuts that this is going state by state. Well, the schedule one, schedule two, and schedule three is federal. I, I know what you're talking about, about yeah. each state by state, yeah, but, yeah. but cannabis moving at a federal level from a schedule one to a schedule three would be game changing. And just yeah. two Fridays ago, the Health and Human Human Resource Services confirmed that their recommendation is to move cannabis from schedule one to schedule three, which would be a massive breakthrough for the industry. Oh, gosh, yeah. Only, only about 40 or 50 years overdue, but yeah. 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 So I'm hoping that that happens. Yeah. Now, early in the podcast, you mentioned that Colorado has been great for Vanks. Now, aside from the obvious reason, which is that it was one of the first states to legalize, what other roles do you think Colorado's played uh, in your success? For me, person, I think it's played a lot of roles for me personally. And I think if you have a happy life, you can be happy in your work. And so for me, in the summertime, being able to leave work and go hike Sanitas, to be able to go skiing on the weekends, to be able to be outside in this beautiful place, like that has made me really happy. And I go on hikes with people that I'm interviewing. I go on when my investors come to town. It's actually crazy. I don't have any Colorado-based investors, hmm. which like, again, because I just didn't know what I was doing. You know, yeah. I love the investors I have, but like I was thinking about Denver Angels. Like I never even heard of them or pitched them. So maybe uh-huh. if I ever start another company. But, um, you know, that's been that's been huge. I also think just like, in the early days, being where your customers were, I mean, I basically lived at our customers and was like, what are your pain points? Like, how are you going about hiring? What is this person doing? Okay, this person didn't work out. Why didn't they work out? What do we need to look for differently next time? Oh, the MED changed the requirements. How do we change this in the product? Like, being a founder is about solving people's problems and spending time with customers. And so in the early days, me being here, being so close to our customers and building these deep relationships with them, I feel like helped us on the product front. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Now, at a macro level, you've evolved in just a few years to becoming, 
I guess the queen of cannabis jobs. I don't know. Right? What that means. I mean, yeah, of jobs. Can- queen of cannabis, cannabis jobs. Cannabis yes. Jobs. Yes, I, I, I added that different yes. here. But I mean, what are your? I mean, when your friends and your family talk with you about what you're doing and stuff, I mean, is it, is it always with a snicker, or is it has that sort of gone away and now you're an entrepreneur? For sure, an entrepreneur. Yeah. 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 So what's next? I mean, as as is it simply a search for more market share? For as the market just evolves, you just hang on? Absolutely. I, for us, it's more states are going to open up and expanding into those new states and deepening our product offering, right? We went from placing interns for $500 to having really several different products that we can offer, whether it's Vanks gigs, whether it's um, you know the training product that we wrote out, whether it's the, the government partnerships that we're doing, we're, we're looking into a payment product. And so you know, we have this great customer base with the best companies in the industry. How do we continue to get into new states and find new companies that need what we have now? But how do we deepen the relationships and solve more problems for the customers that we have? And so, yeah, that's what we're excited about. We're excited about expanding, growing. We're hoping that the industry gets some wins, um, which will make everybody in the industry more yeah, successful. Yeah. And, you know, just being servicing our customers. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on. I, 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 yeah, it was great. Let's do that. I'm your host, Dave Tabor, and today on Proco 360, you've been listening to my conversation with Carson Humiston, founder and CEO of Vangst. That was fun. That was so fun. Way more than I thought we were going to uncover in, in uh, your industry and your business. It's been. Are you um, less skeptical now? Yeah, I think I am. Okay, cool. And um, and the other thing that is intriguing to me is like you mentioned YPO, and I'm not. I was. I thought I was done, but I ask you this, like to the, to your peers in YPO, have they, did they start out snickering and end up sort of changing their views as they got to know you and the opportunity? Well, by the time I joined YPO, we had already raised $30 million. And so that, you know, I think people maybe snicker a little bit less when you, and we already had, I think, you know, when we joined, we had 60 employees and I joined, we had 60 employees and customers and like things were a little bit more legit. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, people are so successful in that organization that every single event I go to, I feel like the dumbest person there, the least successful person there, and I'm motivated by them to yeah, get to their yeah, level yeah, yeah. because they're on another, they're in another stratosphere than yeah. I am. I'm, I barely, you know, I'm barely scratching the surface compared to a lot of those folks. Yeah, but you're getting there. So I'm going to finish my wrap up. Uh, where am I? Listeners, glad you're here on Proco 360, where we say live, work, love Colorado, because you and I and my guests can be successful anywhere and choose Colorado. You make the show successful by subscribing to the Proco 360 podcast. And if you haven't yet, it's a huge help if you submit a review in your app. Thanks again to show partners via Technologies, Kinsley Meetings, Colorado Biz Magazine, and Denver Angels. That's the show. Live, work, love Colorado.